It's Vegas, oh baby. Cold ground on our wind up on the grid. It's lights out. And away we go on this week's grid walk. Nicole, I would like to start this formation lap with a small little riddle. We call it that. You game? I love riddles. If I told you that interest in F1 was at an all-time high and specifically growing in the United States, and there are already two U.S.-based races, a traditional race circuit and an oceanside street race, but F1 really wanted to capitalize on the growth by racing in the entertainment capital of this country, Vegas. What era of F1 would I be talking about? Huh. Wow, it could be now, it could be maybe like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it could be either because doesn't history just love to repeat itself? <laughs> but yes, it is Vegas GP week for the first time in 40 years. And even though F1 is no longer run by a criminal named Bernie, F1 is again attempting a Vegas GP. And I have to say, you will probably not find another podcast to listen to uh, full of people so excited for the Vegas GP not being paid by Formula One in absolutely any way to be this excited. So on today's show, we will start by telling you the story of the 1981 and 82 Vegas Grand Prix. Where did it fail? And has the 2023 effort learned from this past failed attempt or not? It is now well reported that tickets are not sold out for the race. We discuss what this means for the success of the V... <laughs> VP, Vegas GP, words. It's so many letters. Yeah, what's a formation lab without me stumbling? <laughs> you know, by season two, maybe maybe I'll be able to speak maybe, the maybe. words I... Yeah. What does this mean for the success of the Vegas GP and F1 in America in general? We're going to create rubrics for what makes a successful Vegas GP to us, to Formula One, and for, for those of you who are kind enough to participate in our Instagram polls on the subject this week. There are 16, as of recording this, different Vegas GP merch lines. We're going to play a game where Nicole's going to rank them without knowing which one comes next. And I don't, Nicole's seen them all, but I don't know if she'll be able to remember them all to rank them without a little bit of chaos. It's a lot to remember. It's going to be one of those where I like forget that Lance Stroll exists or something and mess up an age ranking system. Call back to that. What a callback. F1 has their press machine running at full speed for the race this weekend. How successful has the coverage been at getting F1 into popular culture, particularly here in America where the race is happening? Is there space in pop culture right now beyond just talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? And is it a little too late to try to generate on-track excitement through the press? We're going to react to the Netflix Cup event. Was Netflix able to create an engaging live content spinning off of the very popular Drive to Survive? It is a new race, which also means a new track with new challenges for engineers, strategists, and drivers. So we're going to break down what the particular challenge is for this track, both intentional, such as long straights, and unintentional, such as cold tires. F1 is heading to the gambling capital of America. So we thought it was only right to not only do our race predictions for this week, but some fun prop bets too. We're gonna to do over-unders for things such as 3.5 race day DNFs. And yes, no, will Pirelli's podium hats have sparkles or glitter? 
Many more where that comes from. Lastly, as always, we end the show with a jam-packed Yellow Sector Notes. Much more than one story you should know from every team on the grid this week because there is absolutely so much going on and we want to make sure you are well-informed going into the weekend. Couple quick production notes before we wrap up this formation lap. Next week's typical Gridwalk episode is actually going to come out first thing Monday morning. So you're going to get an immediate reaction to everything Vegas GP. Then in our normal Thursday episode slot, we're going to do a bonus episode reacting to and discussing the new Braun GP docuseries that is coming out in the midst of everything else that's happening this week. I am overwhelmed. <laughs> and then we'll be back to our normal episode cadence after that. With that note, that wraps up the Formation Lab for episode 43 of Gridwalk. Next week is episode 44. <laughs> a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Please leave us a comment. Tell us what you're anticipating, either positive or negative, about the Vegas GP. Or just tell Nicole what is wrong about her merch rankings. If you're listening on an audio platform, please hit the follow button, turn on auto downloads and leave us a review. All these things we ask you for them because they really help spread the show and help us continue to do this. So thank you. If, if you did any of those or if you did all of those, thank you so much. Uh, the history of Las Vegas. This would be really fun to share our history of Las Vegas, but like you haven't had the adventure of going to Las Vegas and I don't want to talk about what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Ha! Huh? It will be mine on the podcast. But what was uh, your favorite part of Vegas? Oh, that's a really good question. So I saw the Chainsmokers um, and singing closer, like live. That's you know that's like a core memory for me. And also a Taco Bell cantina. Like what an um, oh. unbelievable marketing yeah. experience. Um. But I do think I have to say I did come out like winning money. And I think that really has to be like my favorite. I feel like part. that's a win. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, that's definitely a win. Yes. But big shout out to the Flamingo Hotel. Um. This is not F1's first attempt at a Vegas GP. And I think before we get into all the talk about like what will make this race a success or uh, what is, what have they planned? What are they going to build towards for the Vegas GP? I think it's, Important to talk about the failed Vegas GP that's also often referred to as the parking lot race or the car park race that happened in 1981 and 1982. And per the formation lap at the start of this race, it was a pretty similar story. F1 was at a height of interest. There was actually an American driver racing. So F1 in America was really growing. They already had Watkins Glen up in New York, which was the like staple track. They also had the Long Beach GP, which was in Southern California. That was a street race and that was doing really, really well. And essentially a couple of marketing business execs at Caesars Palace said, you know, it'd be really cool if we did one of those here. Uh, and they were holding in this car park behind Caesars Palace they were holding a bunch of boxing events and they were selling out like crazy. And they said, well, we could hold a race back here. And they now talk about how much of a nightmare organizing this race was. They completely underestimated the ability to get the city to participate in it, which is why it ended up happening only on Caesars Palace land. The politics of working with everyone in F1 sounded worse than it is now. <laughs> And by the time the thing was actually put on, it, it was a marketing nightmare. <laughs> a, 
So it was only two races. The drivers hated it because it was uh, both races were 90 plus degrees Fahrenheit outside. And at this point, the, these drivers weren't like the professional athletes they are today. Like it's sometimes underreported how Michael Schumacher came in and was like, what if we treat this like a sport? And everyone was like, oh, crap whoa what an idea right so this is pre-schumacher because we're talking 80s so these are like the gentlemen racers who didn't particularly exercise the way the the current f1 racers do um and what happened is there was also a lot of anti-american sentiment so even though i personally look back at photos of this race and it actually looks really cool when it's shot from the right angle and the track layout itself, while small, because it didn't, they didn't have a lot of land to work with, like it actually was an interesting race with lots of turns and like decent, um, a decent challenge on the cars versus the mostly straights we have at the current configuration of the Vegas GP. Um, also, for some context about how small of like a footprint in Vegas that the former race took up. If you think of the pig that is the Las Vegas GP track and you just like look at the nose head, that's pretty much the old race. But basically they didn't corral how people talked about this race. So all the drivers came out and said they hated it. All the European commentators called it the car park race. And then there just wasn't, there wasn't anyone generating any buzz or excitement around it. Also, they held it during the day. What's the point of having a Vegas race during the day? As much as I'm complaining about the fact that this race is on at 10 p.m. and I'm on local time for it, like, at least you'll get the lights on the strip. Well, what I'm loving is, like, the such identical parallel lineup of the two races of, like, where F1 is. And then how so much of the strategic decision-making is so blatant, like blatantly the opposite of what it was. Like, it's like yes. no city involvement. And now it's like so much city involvement. And it says, mm -hmm. well, we're not going to control the marketing. And it's like, well, we're going to control the marketing so much. We're going to put people dressed as Elvis like a year before it actually happens. Like we're going to sign a 10 year contract. We're going to build a build. Like it, it, it was so like hard commitment versus what the previous one was and controlling what the word of mouth of it is. Although I'm still seeing like some kind of like lineage of maybe areas of the city didn't really think too much about like what F1 entails and how much it could actually take over. I think it's also absolutely hysterical. The idea of last time it was like 90 degrees outside and this time it's like very much not 90 degrees outside. It's going to be so freaking cold in Vegas in November and nighttime, but also you need to have it at night. So I'm excited to see what's happening. I'm hopeful as like a person who absolutely loves marketing and loves F1 that like this race can be a success and there are ways that it can be, but I'm, I'm glad that given the quote unquote negative history and viewpoint of many F1 fans or people in F1 look back on the previous Vegas experiences that there's like a second chance happening and you know maybe the first one hasn't been necessarily the prettiest thus far to some people there's a lot of it that i have liked and i have enjoyed and again i'm hopeful that good can come out of this the racing i who know we'll see what happens but we'll yeah, yeah hopeful hopeful 
I, yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment. I think they, I think it's smart that they did it at night versus during the day. They learned that lesson. Um, the lesson they didn't learn is they don't, they still don't understand desert temperatures very clearly, considering it was almost the, the temperature thing where everyone has come out and said, we didn't realize it would be cold. And as someone who lives in this desert climate, that's <laughs> the biggest climate, I'm like, duh. But they clearly were like, well, in 1980s, the race was 90 degrees. So of course it's going to be hot. It's like no one, whatever. I'm moving on from that. Um, I do think that the biggest lesson that they learned from the past, um, and it's something that I think overall you can see with most new races that F1 has made a conscious effort to do, like they did the same thing in Miami. They're really working on making sure they have partnerships across the board within the city. Because you need that buy-in. And particularly in an area like the Vegas Strip, where essentially it's just packed with hotels. And if you only get the buy-in of some hotels as your car goes by, that's going to not lead to a successful venture. Every single hotel, restaurant, business on the Strip has a partnership with F1, got to sell ticket packages for this race, and... It's not just on Caesar's Palace to promote this, this thing, whatever it is. I also think Vegas is different than it was then. Not that Vegas, I mean, Vegas was still growing then, where the car park races is now a mall because it wasn't built up then. That's why they were even able to have the race the way they had it in the 1980s. F1 is about, like, not F1, Vegas is about to have the Super Bowl in February. It now has a football team. It's being threatened. A, a hockey a, a team. Base, like, there's, a hockey, like, a soccer, there, like, Vegas is. It's about to have a baseball team. Like, yeah. It's now, like, a big deal. They just built the spear. Like, it. it's a much different Vegas. And it's a much different F1 because we're dealing with Liberty Media's version of F1 that knows how to value marketing and partnerships a lot more than Bernie's very uh, political, uh, Euro much more European-focused F1. F1 has signed a 10-year deal to be in Vegas. They've built their U.S. headquarters in this giant building that's going to serve as the pits, but is also just going to be their headquarters every other time of the year. I hear a lot of just anti-American sentiment online. I hear a lot of just anti um, the show versus practical racing sentiment. There's a lot of discussions happening around the Vegas GP. One that I don't think is happening that you and I are really well positioned to discuss is what would actually make this race a success from all the various stakeholders. You know, us as fans included, being an important stakeholder in this. Um, but let's look at this from all the angles. And I think the place we need to start for this conversation is how does F1 even make money when it decides to do something like the Vegas GP? Because reminder, this is not a promoter race. This is one of the few races on the calendar that F1 is doing all the promoting itself. F1 actually owns this Vegas race. So I think there's short-term ways that F1 makes money off of something like the Vegas GP, and there's long-term ways. Short-term are all the things we immediately think about, like the immediate ticket sales. 
the sponsorships and partnerships they build. So for example, Caesar's Palace is, sent, is selling ticket packages and they get their name everywhere. Heineken is sponsoring the race. They get their name everywhere. And, and they're paying F1 to be the title sponsor, Heineken Silver is. Um, and then also things like product sales or uh, food sales, the racetrack. Like these are all the basic short-term ways that they will make money at this Grand Prix. But I think the more interesting thing to talk about is the long-term ways that F1 makes money from something like the Vegas GP? Yeah, it's also like immediate 10-year contract that we're already knowing that we're going to have this race for a really long time. So how F1 approaches their first race really shows where their priorities are and showing what their strategy is. A lot of that a lot of that is going to be revealed and like continue to be like especially this weekend showing all of their cards as we shall ah. say because it's vegas so in terms of the, the hat, the hat has so returned <laughs> well because also you want fans to be excited and enthusiastic about vegas like you want fans to be covered in sequins and glitter and like breaking out their like best vegas fit to be amped and excited and talking about the las vegas gp so if you're doing the race for the right reasons, if you're, you know, catering it to the right people and for the right fan base and you're wanting to continue the growth in the U.S., you're going to hopefully continue to see that fan growth and want fans to be excited about it. Uh, if it's a good race you're and good content and, you know, product and content is coming out of this race, you're going to continue to see. And there's been a lot of buzz of talking about, like, who's going to continue to have, like, the broadcasting rights for f1 particularly like maybe in the u.s with espn right now we've heard a lot about maybe apple so who knows and having a big race like vegas being like a very valuable ticket could be absolutely huge and f1 being publicly traded positive growth in the company because like hey vegas guaranteed money guaranteed place to continue to get a lot of sponsors coming in i mean talking about when we were talking about the history having like every single hotel up and down the strip and restaurant invested like in it basically you want people like having people care aka having their money involved in it like all of it is connected so we're a lot essentially revealed positive vibes equals more long-term money for f1 the happier fans are the more people who are watching and the happier like business execs are, AKA Vegas can make F1 more money. And I, that, a lot of that's so intangible because when you're talking about a publicly traded company, uh, which Liberty Media is, and that's why F1 is publicly traded, right. that like it's all projections. Like are people projecting that Liberty Media is gonna continue to make more money and F1's a big part of that and that's all vibes. I mean, yeah. that's way oversimplifying it. There's, of course, like actual business No, but there rationale. is a... That, I just, asterisks. Th- I mean, the- it, there's a really good way to, like, put it... To, to say it that, like, I, you're right because, like, this race has such a vibe. Like, it is such a unique energy that doesn't have anything else and that has so much to do with the city of it i mean you can see right now with the nfl like now that the raiders are there like people make it a plan like when nfl schedules are released like they go people are now planning like okay now we're going to go to vegas and like if the race is a success and fans are happy with it and businesses are and corporations are happy with the return that they're getting and the stake and like stakeholders are happy and they want to keep throwing money into it. It will continue to get better. Thus, you know, more people will want to go. So F1 races, race schedule release, people will plant us, you know, people, fans like, Oh, we got to go to Vegas. And it's, that's a place that you can go and it becomes a thing. 
if you do it right. And so why do we start here when we're talking about, is this a success? Well, I think a lot of people are, um, well, there's, there's always going to be that group of people online who are just angry because it's another U.S. race, and I will not get into that at this exact moment. But these short-term goals and the long-term goals for how they make money is definitely how F1 is judging the success of this race. They're probably judging it because they have this 10-year deal, much more on the long-term goals that Nicole discussed over the short-term ones I discussed. But one of the big ticket items, get it, ticket, on the short-term is ticket sales. And I think a lot, of, a big storyline over the last week or two is that this race is not sold out. And for an inaugural race at a place like Vegas, that people are, are freaking out. So I wanna dig into, is this because the product is bad or is the product mispriced or is it both? And I, I broke down this into three categories of things we need to talk about because the answer is both, by the way. The answer is both. The product is mispriced and the product doesn't seem to be great. Yeah. So I identified a list of things that are different to buying this Vegas GP ticket versus most of the other races. And this is actually personally why I didn't want to go to this race. And it's because the price I was paying for these differences didn't feel worth it. Yeah. To me, there's like so much, it's like this race to me was so much like price so high for question mark, question mark. Like, right. So, <laughs> so for starters, there's limited mobility around the track to see different viewpoints and different experiences. So when we were at Coda, even though we were in grandstand 12, during the off times when racing wasn't going on, we walked the entire track multiple times. We saw the track from different viewpoints, all the different general admission areas. We got to go everywhere. And with these tickets, a lot of them, you can't go to most of the places. Most of the general admission options are just screens. You don't actually get to see the track. If I'm going to watch the race on TV, I don't need to be in Vegas to do that. I have multi-viewer in my home. <laughs> and then uh, compare, pair that GA option with the limited mobility. Like, are you going to go to Vegas and spend a lot of money for a GA experience where you don't actually get to ever walk around and see anything? No. And literally, like, the best, one of the best parts about Vegas is just being able to walk up and down the strip. Like, if, yeah. and obviously, there's going to be a lot of limitations to that, which is going to limit from people being able to see the rest of Vegas. Again, this is the first year, so I'm only going off the ticket descriptions I read. Right. I will also point out that it's a very, very late nights on weird days of the week uh, for just attending something. While the sessions are going on during typical party times in Vegas, that means that like the typical after-party experience or what you would do after being on track all day are now at even weirder later times. Yeah, there's always something happening, and I'm sure there'll be special things going on, like, for F1, but, yeah, it feels weird for it to be, like, I feel like it could have been, like, slightly earlier to then have the better after-party, I don't right. know, lots of... Because, uh, again, Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then I will point out that for a U.S. race, it is a very bad travel weekend for a U.S. audience. So this weekend is the weekend before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving weekend, most people who could afford a race like this have a long weekend for the Thanksgiving weekend, but it's a family weekend, which means so many people are already traveling, not 
Vegas GP weekend, but Abu Dhabi GP weekend to go see family and they already have time off. So it's weird to take time off the weekend right before you have a super long weekend where many, 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 many people are already traveling. Yeah. So none of these product differences to other GPs necessarily make it bad. To me, it just means that it's mispriced. Mm-hmm. Because this is by far the most expensive ticket by not even a close margin, even with all the price reductions leading up to it as they try to sell out. This is still by far the most expensive ticket you could buy. And it the experience on paper seems worse than every other race. That's, yeah, it seems like not only is, I mean, we don't even have to like, I mean, we'll obviously touch upon like the racing competitiveness which is like the such obviously glaring part of it of just like the max piece of it but then like the race quality of it is a bit bit of a question mark the what actual getting to see racing as you're saying you're watching it on screens like where it's it's you're not necessarily getting like the racing experience and so it's like if i'm paying such a high luxury ticket for this event like i feel like you should be getting so much more than what we're actually like would be getting from it. But I feel like they're trying to sell so much on just like, well, it's Vegas. So that's just like the way it is. But like they tried to hold that like way too, they felt that like too much to be true. And I think that um, Vegas and luxury can go hand in hand, but don't have to go hand in hand. So I don't think F1 has really understood perfectly the, Vegas vibes in that sense because um, I think the Vegas experience is vast for many different um, financial groups mm-hmm. and they've latched on to just the most luxury part of Vegas but that's not necessarily all of Vegas so it also doesn't need to like this is not like they're going to like Beverly Hills Los Angeles like this is not like some exclusively luxury experience but that is how they're selling it <laughs> But that is how they're excelling it. Yeah. Um, But I don't want to completely brush over what you said about the on-track product. Because I don't want to discredit the fact that if F1 did a better job all year selling the racing instead of selling that we need to just idolize Max for this dominance, I think ticket sales would be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you and I talk every week about the competitiveness below Red Bull. And we also talk about how we're frustrated with the Red Bull competitiveness, but more it's under the guise of F1's lack of ability to try to bring them back like they did for years with Mercedes. Like they were always trying to peg Mercedes back to make the series more competitive, but now they don't really want to do that with Max and Red Bull. So that's frustrating. But the marketing machine of F1 spent all season, instead of communicating how exciting the midfield race was to us. They spent the entire time trying to shove down our throats how historic Max is. And whether or not Max is historic, if you care about selling a very expensive product like Las Vegas, what isn't going to do it is Max being historic. What is going to do it is you convincing me and marketing to me what is exciting about what's going on on track. And it feels like too little too late now when they're trying to do it when they should have been doing this a third of the way through the season when we realized this was the season we were going to get. 
Especially they can't even be like harping on like Max having any sort of race continued record or, you know, like shout out to Carlos for breaking that, <laughs> you know, like they don't even have if they wanted to be like really pushing, like come and witness like this right. still like they don't have that there. Like, so it maybe, yeah, price too high for that kind of storyline that is currently being sold and presented and given. So I've seen a lot of freak out about it not being sold out. So in conclusion, like, is this a bad thing? In the short term, the risk is that it's not great press. It's not a great look. F1 doesn't seem to have the right talking points to explain or to quell some of the public panic about it. Um, I also think F1 is, always has this uphill battle where there's just going to be a lot of Euro European viewers who do not care for any kind of U.S anything in F1 and they're going to take something like this, run with it, create bad press and PR about it. It's going to be up to F1 to ensure that the right parties know the talking points on the PR side that they care about and to not get super caught up in a social media frenzy, which is the long-term risk of a story like this is that they'll eventually lose partnerships and sponsors and like we talked about how great it is that this year with F1 in Vegas, they have partnerships all across the strip. Every single hotel and casino is involved. And you just hope they don't get spooked if I'm F1 right now. Yeah, I just, I think so much we're really going to see like how it all just plays out and like how the actual on track performance and what we see right. and really getting to actually see what the Las Vegas GP is. And, you know, we'll be able to see if, you know, people stay more invested, if companies stay more invested and all of that, that will be the long term. But yeah, right now, and it's, it's giving the easy story for the headlines of, oh, it's not selling, it's not selling. And, you know, even if that's true, F1 needs to be ready to like address that um, as to why that's not happening. So hopefully they'll learn from what hasn't worked so far and um, could be what it has the potential to be. All right, Nicole, we talked about what, what, how this would be a success for F1, but what would make the Vegas GP a success for you? How are you grading the Vegas GP this weekend? So I have the most fear, I think, in what's happening on track. So, and like, given what's happening, you know, Max and Red Bull have run away. So I honestly am kind of like putting all of that in a little bit of a box for a moment. And I'm thinking okay. about the potential of everywhere that's off, off track for a moment. And if you're new here, I am a person of pop culture. And there is an unbelievable lineup for this to just be like my pop culture extravaganza. And the strike has ceased. So Hollywood can unleash itself on to Vegas. So I'm just kind of hoping to really see like a return of like a world of this I don't know, like pop culture's big return to F1. I feel like we've been waiting for a really long time for like this big, like absolute comeback of F1 with brands, with celebrities, with influencers. I, I want to see more people talking about it in this way that like F1 really deserves and like was really like revving up to be. And it kind of just felt like we hit like this lull. And I think that like Vegas has that potential to be that and it'll be everywhere in the zeitgeist. Yeah, no, and I knew that that's, I was like, Nicole's rubric's just going to be like, 
how many times does like seeing someone somewhere make her squeal? That's yeah, how I, I want would create your rubric. Yeah, I, I want it to be like how many like movie and TV promotions am I gonna get between yeah. like Thursday and Sunday, and like you know, so and so is rooting for this, and who's gonna be in a paddock and who's gonna be in a seat? Like, I want I'm gonna just like have a tally marker, and like, good yeah. next week's grid walk is just gonna be like six celebrities did like a, a seat check, and like seven celebrities traded helmets, and like this is that's just basically it's gonna be like an unbelievable extravaganza. It can't be a drinking game because it could kill a person <laughs> but it should be we should create one that's something we can't do that head. we cannot what yeah with water we can't okay yeah no but we'll create a version that doesn't it's like take a sip if blah 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 um so my rubric is a little is more on track because i actually have a lot of faith that I, I think more than people expect, I think everyone is going to nail the off track. Even the first year of the Miami GP, despite everything else that was going on, the off track was entertaining enough, uh, pop culture-y enough, uh, just chaotic enough that I was like, what is going on? And I love it. Uh, which is, by the way, my parameter for like, do I like what's going on off track is, I don't fully know what's going on, but this is fun and I like it and then I'm happy. So these are the four things that I think my rubric consists of. So thing one is I need to be able to describe the race as fun and outlandish, whether on track, off track, it just needs to feel like I can't believe that. Yes. Second thing is it needs to be well shot on TV. As we saw with the Monaco GP this year, like the angles of how a race is shot can drastically change your perception of how entertaining the racing is. And with a track that is mostly straights at night on narrow streets, I think the angles they shoot this are going to do a lot for whether or not we enjoy it. I mean, exactly. We see the difference with like Monaco's production this year versus every other year. I'm not super optimistic about the track layout, so there needs to be some kind of interesting tire strategy during the race for me to leave this race being interested. I really hope it ends up being like not a guaranteed just you have to do a one stop. Like if it's somewhere between a one and a two stop, some kind of strategy ambiguity, particularly because it's the first race and they don't have like real simulations, like some kind of strategy uncertainty would make this a success for me. And the fourth one is the biggest storyline coming out of the race cannot be that the FIA messed something up. I was literally going to say, I really hope, you know, you bring up like a FIA doesn't, you know, screw this up or didn't do this or, or, you know, everything is in a, is okay in a safety world. Like the takeaway from this race can't be another, well, FIA didn't do their job or you the, or they did their job wrong. Yeah, and that could be a subplot because it seems like every single race, the FIA does something wrong these days. It's just the way it is. But if it is the number one story that comes out of the Vegas GP, then I don't think it, it gets a passing grade for me, even though F1 has no control over whether or not the FIA decides to do their job at the race. Because that will also then be the storyline, at least for the like coming races. That will just be like, oh, well, you know, remember this first one, at least. Like, that's going to be the storyline going into next year, if that's what it is. So definitely agree wanting to keep that away. Yeah. We put on our stories a list of factors 
and had people rank them from least important being one to most important being four. And then I weighted all of them. So this is a gridwalk viewership rubric, essentially. Um, and then we did have a question bar at the end and someone submitted something I left off of the like rubric options, which was safety. So like to the FIA point, like they said that like on their personal rubric, if this track actually ends up being safe, they would feel like it's a decent success. And I 100% I agree. I should have put that on the Yeah, especially rubric. with that pit lane exit. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. We'll get to it there later. Right, right. So the number, the three top most important things that came out of this, even though I have to say, like, this was a very polarizing ranking here. And so many things ended up like very close. Uh, but the three most important things on Gridwalk listeners rubric is an engineering challenge, the FIA not messing anything up, and some kind of interesting strategy. That was all tier one. Tier yeah, I think two. I fell in that strategy that strategy area. There's just so much on this. I'm curious of what teams are going to decide given the track conditions, temperature conditions, soft Pirelli tires. <laughs> right. New race track Entirely. that no one's ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's so much potential here. Um, but it was also interesting that the most important thing people seem to be waiting right now is like, Okay, give me some kind of interesting strategy, some kind of, because I think it all goes back to people are looking for uncertainty at this mm -hmm. point. Like, we all know Max is going to win, but if, they, if everything from top to bottom is certain, then it's like not super interesting. The second tier here um, tied was overtakes, which was the, one of the most interesting things because um, overtakes, the meme ability of the race, and how well your favorite driver and team do, all scored equal for people voting one, two, three, and four. They were so extreme that everyone felt different about it from top to bottom. And you know what that evens out to? Right in the middle. You know what that, yeah, that feels, feels fair because it's almost like things that really don't matter. <laughs> but then the bottom tier in the rubric, so the things that Gridwalk listeners really didn't care that much about were the competition for first. Like no one was like, yeah, I really care whether anyone competes with Max. We've all moved that along. Um, and the time of the sessions. And I think that part of that is that we know the Gridwalk viewership skews American. And if you're an American F1 viewer, you are invested. We are used to watching sessions at weird times or on weird delays. Like we did this for Japan and Singapore. Like it is what it is kind of deal. Like, does it suck that and F1 races in my time zone and I'm going to be sleeping through most of it. Yeah. But like, it is what it is. So we just knew this. Yeah. doesn't right. feel different. Exactly. So kind of similar to both of us where it's, you know, like we're just looking for like some kind of interesting thing to follow in our live timing during the race. I went into this knowing that it probably wasn't going to be for me, but I was hyped that it was happening, right? I was like, wow, Netflix cares enough about Formula One to put on this event and Drive to Survive is such a big deal and like, it's gonna be this big production. I completely, I thought it wasn't going to be for me because I didn't love golf, but it turned out that that's not why this was not for me. <laughs> yeah, I also went in with the expectation of like, this is not going to be for me, but I'm excited at the, like the aspect of it being formula one and such and things. Um, I was also going in very skeptical because it's, 
based on Netflix's previous experiences with live things like a Love is Blind reunion they couldn't even handle. So I was very skeptical about how they were going to do a golf tournament um, to the level and like sizing that they were advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was what was your main reaction and takeaway from this? Um. So again, I'm leaving it with this was not for me. Uh-huh. It was what Netflix advertised. I think they made this solely for fraternity men that love golf. As soon as I saw Burt Kreischer sitting on that stage, I knew exactly what this was going to be. And it was exactly that, except with a lot more Netflix advertising than I was initially anticipating. Okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. I had the same immediate reaction. I think I expected them to at least have one sports commentator like an actual sports commentator to be able to give us some kind of play-by-play. Kay Adams, I think she did the best possible job with what she could. But I thought her energy, if like matched with like a Joe Buck type guy would have been incredible. But the whole thing felt like, let's stick this poor woman who seems very good at her job in the middle of a bunch of frat boys as they make chaos around poor golf. And and let's jump back and forth between Burt Kreischer and Marshawn Lynch in crowds of uh, s- people drinking and smoking weed. Oh, and also Steve Aoki and Blake Griffin are also here in case you didn't know Steve Aoki and Blake Griffin are also here. Right. <laughs> They felt they were really pushing the, like, look at the celebrities who are here in a way that I didn't find enjoyable to watch, per se. It's like, yeah, cool that they're there. I only needed to know once. And then Patrick um, Mahomes, they were like, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. And he was then there on a Zoom, which I was like, how is he going to be in, like, he's not going to go to Vegas with, like, the football that is arriving this weekend. Um, but, and then they're like, Patrick Mahomes is here. And it's like, of course, yeah, not in Vegas because of football. And I was originally super excited that he was going to be in Vegas. I was like, ah, yes, Patrick Mahomes not preparing for the Eagles game on Monday. Love to see it. (laughs) Very disappointed that he was being responsible. But But, but it was was a giant Netflix commercial um, in like a way that felt like at first kind of funny and then it felt, and then it was just too forced. And then like the random sneak peeks of things. Like at first I thought I was going to like, but the sneak peek of Lando and Zach Brown felt like the most unbelievably fabricated conversation I have ever watched in the history of reality TV. That was literally like two producers, like go stand under those trees and talk about how this season has sucked and Lando say you want to win. Like, that was it. Yeah, without the, like, entire storyline of an episode, 
for any kind of reality TV. Like when you take reality TV outside of the context of I am choosing to sit here and watch a 45 minute episode of reality TV that we all know is mostly staged, it always feels awkward. It, even if that wasn't a staged conversation, it, it's gonna damn sure feel like it because you don't have the emotional context of everything around it. Oh, I didn't, I missed in the marketing that they were going to do silly things like the speed hole at the first hole. Like I, I mean, there was the squid games hole. Like I didn't actually expect that was what it was. I thought they were going to do funny commentary and chaos around just golf. So right. actually my favorite part was that they got creative with the competition and it wasn't like, let's watch four dudes hit balls. Like, and and yeah. guess what? Four of the eight dudes hitting balls are actually not very good at this. Like four of them are pretty good. They're professionals and the others are not. And the only reason we're doing golf is because we can't put unprofessional people in rocket ships. So instead they all have to play the other sport, which is golf. But I, so I really appreciated that, but it did, it just, it was a long, it was long. And I knew as we started this, I knew five minutes in, oh, this is not made for me. This is made for frat boys. And that's okay. Like I'm a Golf firm believer long. in life that yes. like that, that there are going to be things that are not for you. And I'm still glad that Netflix cares enough about F1 that they chose to do this. Yeah. Um, it, definitely it had its there were moments again i'm i'm but i already knew going in like i don't find watching golf entertaining um so like i did find the speed hole round very fun i thought it was a great way to like kick it off and then like the squid game thing i found a little uncomfortable because i also think the idea of an act like a squid games reality show very yes. weird and kind of like ironic given like the thing of squid games but that's not Wait, did we all miss the point of the show of, right but you know that's not like the point of this so there's like a few things that i'll i guess that i'll say that i enjoyed that i liked yes. of this the, the few moments note. that i'll say that i like um i like when marshawn lynch is thrown into things and he gets like really excited and like really into stuff yes. i love what and uh, he keeps like doing random things with netflix and i like really enjoy that um Something that really just shocked me for some reason that why, why weren't the teams matching? Like, I understand that all of them are in sports that are just all about logos and branding, but the fact that none of them were like in coordinated colors really made me so unbelievably mad. Like I, I needed, I needed matching uniforms. Netflix do better for this. How is that? How is that? How are there not like Netflix cups? I think because all of the funding went to those racing jackets at the end of the thing. Speaking of things I liked, the right. podium celebration at the end. I did. Oh my goodness. Um, when they did a grid walk. Uh, anytime I hear grid walk and I, I like, you know, I'm like, wow, that someone said things that weren't us. That felt very cool. And like a little bit of like a call out to us, which, you know, haha, fun. Uh, what I did like when they started interviewing Mark Wahlberg, I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Very much for the frat audience. But that he brought out how his daughter introduced him into F1 yes. and Grace was there and brought her like out for that. Fun. And they had the McLaren car at their house in Vegas. I'm like, wow, living the dream. That's really cool. Um, I'm thinking I have Mark all Wahlberg, of my golf notes. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg publicly saying that the reason he likes 
motorsports and F1 in particular is because of his young daughter had me screaming of happiness. He could have just been like, I like F1, but he was like, no, here is my daughter. She is the reason I like this sport now is just so huge for like women everywhere. Like you want to be happy about Mark Wahlberg there? You're welcome. <laughs> yes, that was really cool. And he was literally like, Grace, come over here. Like she's the one that like told me everything that I knew. She and was even so when inter- embarrassed to have to say that Lando was her oh, favorite driver. Yes, yes it she was, was so cute. The last thing that I have is can we like stop breaking trophies? I like how li- hi, this is in my notes. Can we stop breaking trophies, please? It makes me so stressed. <laughs> They're so expensive to make. Like, nothing is, you know, it's not like it was, the Netflix film was hand-painted and took a thousand years to do. But, like, please, what's the point? I, just- I felt like him dropping the trophy. Like, that clip perfectly represented what the Netflix cup was to me. Like, a little funny, a little memeable, and a lot of, like, oh, no, what is happening? Do I think it was, like, an utter failure honestly no for the demo they were going for which like wasn't me are there ways they can improve for sure i also want to see more golf at night that was fun yeah i agree with that i think my takeaway is that i wish their marketing made it clearer that this was who it was for like none of the ads i saw felt barstool to me but the event felt very barstool so like that my number one recommendation is that I think they should lean into the unhinged in their marketing. So I wasn't immediately jarred within the first 60 seconds and had to recalibrate my brain for what we were going to be watching. Well, now we know moving forward. Now we know. Imagine yeah. it'll be shot skis on the, the golf course. Please. Not with the drivers, of course. <laughs> they all seemed a little <laughs> drunk by the end. I mean, there was so much stuff in the air, apparently, that, like... I have my, hey, you, European fan, uh, stat of the day. So, last time we talked about this, I gave the stat of how many people live in America versus how many people live in Europe and the number of races to cover that many people. But that aside, I wanted to today talk about the distance between the US GP in Austin, Texas and the Las Vegas GP compared to two very far away European races that they say is very far away. So the diff- if you were to drive from Austin, Texas to the Vegas GP, it would take you 19 hours and 22 minutes and it's 1,285 miles. Mm-hmm. If you were to drive from Zandvoort Circuit in the Netherlands to Milan, it'd only take you 12 hours and 30 minutes. And it is half the distance at 682 miles. You could probably so, take a train too. You definitely could. It is, it, it is half the distance between the Netherlands GP and, and uh, the Italian GP as it is to go from Austin to Vegas. I understand, I don't, I'm not an expert at European geography. So stop going online and being an expert about US geography. We have three races in the United States that cover three very far away points. They're actually all in three different time zones even. I know that's like a wild concept. And it, 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 it's twice as far 
You can fit two Europe's essentially between Austin and Vegas. So like, I get that you, you out there might be feeling a little frustrated and that's okay. It's okay to feel those feelings, but like, there's a lot of people who live in this part of the world. We have a lot of European races and we're not even taking them away. Oh, like F1 just keeps adding more and more and more yeah, races. Yeah, yeah, which I know that's a whole different conversation. But <laughs> no. like, to, And there's a lot of people in America and a lot of people do actually care about F1 and actually know what they, they're talking about. So like, you know, right. it kind of, of feels things- like the conversation of like the... 1980s drivers that are the racing gentlemen and this is how it's supposed to be and you know not like it's a sport (laughs) Uh, i would uh i'm gonna point everyone in the direction of at virtual statman on twitter um he well one he is the stat man basically for f1 he's the guy who feeds in all the stats to the broadcast it's actually from san diego california so this is where he is in his off time but he's been doing fantastic threads wrecking people on Twitter right now. Every time someone makes a poorly informed US-based argument um, about all the, you know, things that US companies, US people have done in the sport, um, he's basically uh, clearing up some misinformation. It's also just, he's a good follow in general because he's always sharing really fun random stats about F1, which if you're a nerd like me, awesome follow. but I just, like, we all don't need to be so angry. Like, guess what? An F1 race is in my time zone, which is like, super exciting, despite the fact that it's in the middle of the night still for me. But I'm still excited. Like, and I get it. Like, when you get F1 in your area, it's fun. It's exciting. So, like, let people be excited. Like, you don't need to. But twice the distance. That's what we learned today. There's your hello, European fan fact of the day. There you go. Just some context. Gosh, there's so much. Vegas feels like it's been going on for months, and I can't believe it's finally here. And there's so much merch, and I'm overwhelmed. And I also just feel like I, I don't know. There's I, wow. (laughs) That's That's such a good intro. Like I'm overwhelmed. Wow, just feels like how I would describe trying to keep up with all the news for this week, which is, by the way, like why this episode is hopefully helpful for you all, because we're just going to be sharing all the news with you because it's not a full-time job trying to keep up with it. Uh, But part of it is that there are 16 merch lines as of Monday evening when we're recording this segment right now. And Nicole has like seen all of them, but doesn't remember all of them. And I thought it'd be fun to do a blind ranking. So I have randomized the order of all of these. So this is not in a, I think Nicole will like this order. Um, And I'm going to show you merch. Uh, I will describe it also to everyone listening. And then Nicole's going to rank it one to 16. One being, this is her favorite, most likely to buy team and branding aside. Just like, do you like the logo? Removing you know, my own personal bias of things. Yeah. This right, feels like, like I'm about I to do one of one of those like TikTok filters where it's like blind rank your favorite exactly. albums and don't know what's coming next. Cause like I've seen all of this. I don't know what order it's coming in. Some things have been new. Brian has also been like, you know, don't look at too much stuff because you know, content. Um so yes, yep. let's be and sixteen means you absolutely hate this. This is your least favorite thing. Yeah. Um, 
caveat to all of this, Daniel Ricardo on Thursday is dropping what seems to be like his ski resort collection. Um, and since it, I think I would qualify for his Vegas GP merch because it's Vegas GP weekend, even though it doesn't really have anything to do with Vegas GP, but he hasn't released any photos at the, of this line at this point for me to include in the slideshow. So I can't say, Nicole, the theoretical concept of this Daniel Ricardo drop, where do you rank it? Yeah. <laughs> Versus yeah. like, here's the merch. Uh, so that's why that's not included. Apologies to other Danny Rick fans. If you're watching on YouTube, I will throw up on the screen so you can keep track of everything as we go. The first one is... Ah! I didn't mean to, to click the button. Ah! Uh, the first one is the Alvatari team line. So they really leaned into this like dark blue vibe. There's lots of like gambling chips and cards, but they've also turned the Alphatari logo into a marquee and they have a beanie. I will point out any like specific like products throughout this that other other lines don't have. Nicole, how do you feel about the Alphatari merch? You're doing some heavy hitters first, and that makes me stress because I don't know where to put this because I love this one so much, but I know yeah. that there's others that I definitely like a little bit more, but I love that there's a beanie and like the color scheme choice is really fantastic. The marquee is just like so absolutely on brand, perfect like Vegas vibes while also also like being good representation of being like Alphatari and not like leaning right. too far away from the brand. It's on brand, but yes. for both Vegas and Alphatari, which is hard to do. Yes. And that's that's kind of where I'm really trying to think in my rankings. Like it being applicable to Vegas and it being applicable to the team itself in like the right way is very influential in my rankings. I'm going to rank this at number four four it is Ooh. it is high i'm i really think they did well here number two the alpine drop which literally dropped this morning they were the last drop to get in under the wire um i would describe it as sort of camo pink team kit with a zipper 16 i'm not interested i'm not buying i mean like it's i like when teams partner with brands so this is nothing against palace it's nothing against like when they you know with kappa and they have like a special livery with this but like for vegas i want vegas i want you know and there is a market for this and i'm just not the customer for it but i'm not buying it so this is my 16 um, this was also my 16, but I will point out that if I was a big Alpine fan, the all pink hoodie, I would be very excited about. But again, yeah. I agree with your entire analysis here. All right, number three, the Aston Martin. I call this um, highlighter green that's almost highlighter yellow. It says Las Vegas, and then under the cap, there is an American flag. Nicole, where would you rank the Aston Martin? I am not impressed with this either. I feel like, I mean, it's, I don't, there's nothing special about it. And like, honestly, I think this is my 15. I'm like lacklustered here. Yeah, it was also my 15. Yeah. Not creative, not fun, would not buy. I just wrote Las Vegas. Right. <laughs> 
All right, the next one, this is the F1 Las Vegas line. Now there is so many pieces in this line that on the screen right now for everyone watching on YouTube, I could only fit four shirts on it, but there are about 20 different options. There are men's and women's cuts. Um, they really leaned into big graphic designs um, and also some more like classic F1 imagery. So Nicole, the F1 Las Vegas line, how do you rank it? Those of you not watching, she looks very stressed. That I, I am so stressed because I love like when F1 does like very large like graphic things. I think it's really cool when they take advantage of like the unbelievably cool like car picture things. It kind of um, looks like our podcast branding. It does also look like it's our podcast branding. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I'm just getting so stressed out because 16 feels like so many. Yep, and we are only on the fourth one, so you might want to make your decisions here. I'm going to start imposing a time limit. Yes, please. Okay, this is going to be my number eight. Um, yeah, my number eight. I'm going to put it in the middle because I feel like it's in between. I feel like this could also be applicable to like any other race merch, so it doesn't feel too special. But It's not It was like my six. Okay. Yeah, not, but I just, I love that also men's and women's sizes. It's one of the only ones in here that did that. Mm, yeah. Ferrari. All right. So Ferrari decided to be Teletubbies. It decided to love putting giant letters on the belly button again. Um, I don't know how to describe this except like sketchy art something. I do like the black jacket. Um, that is my great description for you audio listeners. I'm so sorry. Uh, Nicole, where do you rank Ferrari? Uh, 14. I'm so continuously angry about these like numbers on the belly. I don't like them. And this was a potential for Ferrari to do something cool. And they didn't, in my opinion. This actually ended up 11 for me. There's going to be some that definitely end up in places that they should not be on this list. But that's the point of doing this blind. All right, next is Haas. Haas released one t-shirt. It's very Vegas with the like, welcome to Las Vegas marquee, except it says, welcome to fabulous Haas Vegas. I love this. I love this. I love this so much. My only complaint is there's not more things that this can be purchased on. This is so unbelievably funny. Oh my God, wait, hold on. Can we pause for one second? I mm -hmm. have an artifact that could very much be applicable to this situation. Okay. If you're new here, I'm extra. If that wasn't obvious by the sparkles that I'm currently wearing and the hat that I'm currently wearing, and it's honestly shocking that this hat is not from this. I had a 13th birthday party and it was Nicole's fabulous casino themed where I changed <laughs> the Vegas logo to say, Nicole's Fabulous Casino, which is basically what Haas did. So I have to unfortunately probably put this very high just because I've done this already. And it's in my top five and my number five. I saw this when it came out and I went, Nicole's going to love this. I love One it. of the things you should know about Nicole Katz is she loves a play on words. <laughs> Like, I want something that I wish they have, like, Viva Las Vegas. That's what I really want. Yeah. No, I think this, for me, would be even higher on my list if there were more options. Like, I didn't like that it was only the, like, basic, like, you know, cotton blend t-shirt. So it was P10 for me. But, like, I knew it was going to be high on your list. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. All right. Next, we have McLaren's team line. 
which is different than a collab we're going to talk about later for them. Um, they really went all in on this like big M McLaren design that they've been using. That's more of like kind of feels collegiate, um, but there's like a helmet and dice and it's a very bright orange. And they also included a lot of bright greens. Yeah. I vibe with the green. I like the dice. This, you know, it leans into the Vegas. It leans into McLaren. I feel like it's a good, you know, like, like crossover of the two without going like, you know, too insane. I'll put it like a seven. Um, all right. The next McLaren collab, and it's their Mitchell and Ness collab. So they went with big football jerseys, lots of cheetah print, some like cool teal colors, and two different varsity jackets. One that's fuzzy, and I just need to point it out because it's like, not to, not to skew, skew the person playing here, but I am obsessed with that McLaren script, racing script. That's like the fuzziness. Oh my gosh. I, I've never wanted to be a McLaren fan more than that varsity jacket. This is my number two. And if this was last year and if this was Daniel Ricardo, anything like I would have, I would be broke. I would have, all of my money would have purchased like this entire line. Like that Oscar Piastri Jersey is stunning. I would need it if I, you know, was dedicated enough to McLaren, but this is an expensive sport. This is an incredible merch line. I absolutely love this. And I love what they did last year too. So I always look forward to seeing what this partnership does. Mercedes did one shirt in a black and white colorway. It says Star Giants Las Vegas on it. Where do you rank this? I'm so confused by what this this is. I Do you I, know what Star Giants means? I don't think am I supposed to? I, I don't know. That's why I'm oh. asking. No, I, I, I don't. Do okay, I have? I'm glad okay. I'm not alone. Okay, great. So what, what's, what's the lowest? I don't want to buy this from Mercedes. What's the, what's my next? Do I have 14? 15? You 13. 13? That, I love 13. 13's a good number for me. So I feel like that's a respectful position to put Mercedes to be like, thank you. Try again later. Um, but I love this number so you can sit there. Yep, I was confused. Moving on. This is the PacSun Formula One Las Vegas collab. Uh, some things I would like to point out is that they had women's wear, they had kids wear, and they had t-shirts and a really sick jacket that I'm obsessed with. I really like F1 jackets, clearly. <laughs> Nicole, where would you rank the PacSun F1 collab? This is frightening and this is scary and this is bold and this is big and this is a decision. This is my number one. This is my hard number one. Like if this race is not an unbelievable nightmare, I will be purchasing that like black, like blurry, like yes. again, I love a graphic tee. This like, I love the on merch. I have purchased it numerous times before. So every time they come out with things, I'm always really excited for like the drops that they do. But that jacket, 1000%, I'm getting close and closer to buying like an f1 racing jacket and oh it's it's beautiful it's perfect they're really like paxon has learned what like is important and the expansion of this line so that is my number one which now it big spoiler alert there it is my one well we'll see if you regret not holding your number one for i know because you've used up your one your two your four and your five uh, I will, uh, sidebar, I also loved that they launched this line with a big influencer event at uh, a club in LA this past week as well. So not only 
is does Paxine continue to do fun lines, but they also do fun activations with said lines. Um, on the short form video I made about this, this was my P1, but it's actually my P2 because I forgot some stuff. Oh, gosh. And what did I forget? My P1. So this is the Lewis Hamilton plus 44 Vegas drops. The Lewis Hamilton and Takashi Murakami drop, like always a fantastic pairing. And I was one of my favorite, actually probably my favorite like collab drop that Lewis did in the 2022 season. Um, yes. I bought yes. It. yes. I also bought it as well. Um, I liked the Japanese drop more. I do love this drop. It will be my P3 because I just love this continuous collab between the two. Um, and hope to continue to see the partnership. I do think it better aligns as a Japan drop and was kind of hoping for something else for Lewis for Vegas, but I still love like the design and patterns and like this aesthetic for Lewis. I think plus 44 works the best when it is a collab drop. When Lewis gets to work with artists, he clearly loves and admires and gets to work with. So I was excited that they were doing a second round of this collab. I do think it ended up being the Vegas drop because he's doing a collaboration with Complex as well. So if you are uh, in the Southern California area, uh, Complex Fest, which is happening at in the Long Beach area, is going to have a whole pop-up shop for Lewis Hamilton's plus 44 line. So I think that's probably why this time of year. All right, next we have Puma's general F1 line for F1 Vegas. Uh, silver shoes, uh, wet looking hat, and a t-shirt. Where do you rank this? Nicole's laughing very hard silently just, to like, the people What a great audio. selling point that like I mean like you just wow what sales like you just did here. Um I'm, yeah. You can tell how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, this is like kind of disappointing. Definitely like you could tell this was like ASAP Rocky's coming in soon, right? Like I don't like I just feel like this was like a before um like I'm not yeah, not my favorite uh Definitely lower. I like the, it looks, I, maybe it could be sparkles and not wet F1 logo on the hat is what I want to like, maybe think it is. I don't know. This could have gone in other directions. I think my next lowest is 12, right? Is that what, yeah, I'm not buying this. Do you regret putting Ferrari so low now yet? Yep. (laughs) I did forget about this drop. That is why. Well, the next one is, we haven't gotten official prices or merchandise, but this is the Puma ASAP collab preview pictures that we got, um, which is exactly what you think it would be in the best way possible. That's all I can talk about when it comes to this line. I'm putting, do I have my six available? Yep. I want this at my six because of, I believe, what it stands for. I don't necessarily know if I will fully be the customer for all of this yet. Although some of these windbreakers, I totally think yes. I would buy. But it's it's the customer. I, I want to be this customer. I want to wear these big printed Puma pants. Yes. Uh, I want to be cool enough to be able to wear something in the ASAP Rocky line. Will I be? Probably not. But I like it. I love, yeah. I just love the direction they're going with here. Not yeah, the last P5. one that they're going with. Yeah. All right, this is the Red Bull collab with Cherry LA, which is an LA-based streetwear brand. Um, They did two pretty basic sweaters with the Cherry 
LA and the Red Bull logos, but they did like what looks to be like an old fashioned graphic tee and a like leather letterman jacket for Red Bull. How do you rank this one? I love letterman jackets. This yeah, is me too. My ooh, now I'm forgetting. I will tell you, what... you only have nine, ten, and eleven left. I have nine, ten, eleven left. What did I put yep. for seven? Uh, the McLaren team drop. Yes, yes. Okay, nine. T- wow, this. Okay, this. This is top. I wanted this in my top ten. This is my number nine. Um, literally, this this jacket carries the entire yeah like line for me. Um, that that pulls it that pulls it into the points for me <laughs> red bull i have never considered buying a red bull anything in all my time being an f1 fan really this letterman jacket made me go maybe i buy that yeah that's definitely it's it's cute all right so there's two left now here's where i see if i regret things this is the Red Bull team line. They released a team polo and a team windbreaker. They also released a bright yellow shirt that said that says Race Day Las Vegas 2023, along with a bright yellow cup that says the same. Um, the team polo and the windbreaker are like this muted grayish blue color. And that's pretty much, and it says Red Bull Las Vegas on the back. This looks like they were made in custom ink 11. Yeah, they're not great. I, I, <laughs> I was really trying to give it the benefit of the doubt because the yellow's fun. but Yeah, but like 11. <laughs> yeah. Um, and only and then, because this, it's the lowest I could go. Yep. And then the last one here is uh, going to be your P10. I don't even what's left. Williams. Oh, okay. I feel fair putting this at P10. I respect this. It honestly could probably be a little higher. I feel like my P10, my my top 10, I think I could feel good about, but I'm glad this is in this. I I respect this design. It's, you know, it's safe. I Yeah, I think the t-shirt and the hoodie are kind of boring, but I do like the hat. I think this hits the similar um feeling as Alphatari does for me where it's like on brand for both Vegas and Alphatari, this feels on brand for both Vegas and Williams. Right. Again, um, I like the marquee. I like marquee graphic. All right, Nicole, here was your rankings. And what is your reaction? What do you like what's your initial reaction to how you ranked this? You know what? I feel my top ten I feel like pretty okay about. I I still on I'm almost about to honestly, can I flip Alphatari and Haas? I yep. want Haas. Haas deserves to be in my number four. I feel good about my top 10. I want to, I think I'm going to lock those in. I feel really good about where all of those fall. Your line. So like your top 10 are, I agree. Like I liked all of those. And then the bottom six are the six that I didn't like. So like our line of demarcation is the exact same, even if our orders are different. I'm really just trying to debate with myself how much I really despise these Ferrari Teletubby number bubbles. And <laughs> don't forget about the silver shoes. And the, I know. And I literally, Mercedes my, I'm looking, my brain, <laughs> my brain is trying to literally what's happening in my head right now is debating silver shoes, star giants, Teletubbies. And I'm like, what does that like ranking mean? I think this is a fun ranking. Yeah. I feel really good about this. I feel a lot better. 
I can make peace with that black Ferrari jacket. I can't make peace with Star Giants. My takeaways from going through all 16 of these merch lines is the further um, that Puma really needs ASAP Rocky, considering the fact that their normal F1 line, their Ferrari line, and their Mercedes shirts were at the bottom for both of us. Um, Collabing with streetwear brands is always a win. Like, do something fun and creative. Uh, PacSun knows what they're doing. And Lewis Hamilton can do little to no wrong. Those are like my big takeaways. Oh, and McLaren is just good at this. And like, maybe whoever's like, in the McLaren merch team. And like, stay away from neon yellow. This it, race in the F one world to me, and let me know if you agree, has almost felt like the Super Bowl. Like it felt, it feels like from almost every single angle, every outlet that is around has just been talking about. Vegas and it's been the productions of Vegas and the products of Vegas. We just went through an entire like 16 lines of merch drop that are Vegas. And it seems just very similar vibes as like, it's the big game. I think the best comparison is like the Super Bowl is the one time of year that even non-sports outlets really care about the NFL and like, Vegas very much feels like Vegas and Miami are the two times a year that American news outlets that are not sports or F1 covers really care about F1. And there's like a general buzz to that. Like Daniel Ricardo was on Jimmy Kimmel. Like that doesn't happen all the time. Like, like there's just like people care a little bit more. I have like people in my life who aren't big F1 fans asking me about F1 and the Vegas race and like that's fun that always gives me like a pop like it's in the zeitgeist like people are asking me about F1 they're like you like F1 you do that podcast like tell me about Vegas <laughs> and that's yeah. I love that I was on a food tour in Chicago over the weekend and one of the other people on the tour the podcast and F1 came up and he had asked me he's like so like what are your thoughts on Vegas and then we just started to getting into entire conversation about like tires and freezing cold temperatures and then other people on the tour were like well why does it matter if it's like cold and tires and like it, got, it sparked an entire conversation of things like that so it is very funny of it's in the traditional zeitgeist of things i mean you're getting so many more drivers getting interviewed and like i mean bringing up like lewis being named one of the sexiest men in sports like that's also not shocking information and also like very relevant max was the on news time. Of things. max being on time Zay like they ja very much like aligned that feature like they could have released that at any time but they were like no we're doing that for vegas <laughs> Yep, exactly. Same with Joe in like Players Tribune. Like that's mm -hmm. it, it's it's the timing of all of these things. It's teams lining up to do all of this stuff. Um, we're seeing like plenty of news coverage. I mean, we're talking like in a couple of days. We had talked. Um, we talked in a couple of po like Gossip Grids ago that CNBC is going to be doing like the F one on track business thing. So we're getting like that like news coverage of it as well in the like public site guys. Everyone has been doing and like various teams have been integrating itself with like traditional Vegas acts of like the different like ads and acts and like promo things you've seen. What is what's been your favorite one so far? Um, it like very much the Blue Man Group. The Blue oh my Man gosh, group, me too. Yes. Yeah. I figured that you and I <laughs> were going to play music on, on the Red one. Bull car. Yes, it is absolutely like just screams it was spot on 
like Vegas promotion. Um, the Blue Man Group are one of the like pieces of when you think of like concert performances and residencies, like you have that in Vegas. Um, there's they been a lot me. They also, but that's it's that's why I was almost like, point. yeah, that's they're they're supposed to make you feel like a little bit uncomfortable, but that's what like really like drives the point home. Um, there's been a lot of content of longtime fans getting surprised with free tickets. F1 surprised a local like U.S. veteran. He was 91 years old. Been a longtime F1 fan. He's never been to an F1 race, and they show up to his house like the big to do and get to like give him tickets. And I'm sure they're gonna be better access than you know he's not gonna be watching on a screen. And that's always just like that really lighthearted content, especially for like fans in the U.S. who have been dedicated to the sport for such a long time. I really like um, when brands get excited and start doing things. Like in the previous segment, we talked about how F1 had a big influencer launch event for the F1 Sun merch line. Like they wouldn't necessarily do that if it wasn't the Vegas GP. Like Sun had lines for all the like multiple other races like they had a British GP merch they had uh, US GP merch but they decided to do a big to do an event for particularly the Vegas event um, also Esteban and Charles were at the Lakers game and hanging out with LeBron James which is hysterical because he it was like the one game, like LeBron wasn't playing but <laughs> Yeah, but they like, do like that helmet swap, and then the the clip of did you get to see the picture of Charles wearing his like Ray Bans? Shout out to his like Meta Ray Ban ambassador, and he like you can see him click a button. He's like, I'm gonna record the basketball. Yes, yes, I did see that. Um, great product placement. I'm sure Facebook was really excited about it. Um, yeah, it's just it feels like Miami in the best way, where like. Most of the drivers were there a day early. Like multiple drivers got paparazzi'd in Hollywood this week. Like it's all just became, it just feels like a big deal when they're out and about and like general paparazzi accounts are like being like F1 driver Charlotte Claire is walking around West Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, I was Hamilton spotted in West Hollywood. Like, ah, these pap walks of F1 drivers in the States and like, it's definitely like it's really exciting and there's been a lot of like buildup of ads and like taking place in vegas and we've talked about like jamie fox and there's been so many t-mobile ads and it's 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 like that super bowl feel of people want to be involved in it all nothing strangely gets me personally more hyped for an upcoming sports event than like all of this stuff like random magazines like late night tv shows i don't even watch anymore but it doesn't matter because i'm just like ah (laughs) and then like just like events by brands i'm a weird human being (laughs) i don't understand no but it's the i'm and it's also like the tiny like little things like i've been freaking about freaking out about the bellagio having a shoey bar like you can go to the bellagio and you can order a cocktail out of a shoe and like that's knowing your audience and like even like on the curbs how they just have like the different suits of the cards like it it's just such little and like touches it's in the details like of this making something special and standing out important question how do you feel about the fact that there is an official F1 chapel on track? <laughs> it, 
when I saw it being like when they posted it, I was like almost mad at myself for like being surprised. Like, of I course, there's. So did me too. If I had to, I searched it at first. I'm like, is this an edit? I said, oh no, this is real. And you know, someone's going to get married. You know that this is already set up and established. There was no way that they were going to have this built without it having like an actual, like at least one couple lined up to be like getting married in this paddock. Look, I would do it for the memes. You would, you would get married in the paddock for the memes? For the memes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, Yes, like if if I was in the situation where I was already going to marry someone, yes. Just uh, like come on, that'd be so funny. I'm convinced that they're gonna have like Gunther officiate. Like it's gonna be something <gasps> I I would even want to do it more. What are you right. talking about? This is not I'm convincing not saying, me out of it. But I'm not now I'm not trying to unconvince you. I just also don't believe you when you say that you would do this for the memes. And now I'm just I thinking mean you're of, like, talking to someone who like eventually wants to like elope. Like I'm not right. like a big like I wanna hold my own like wedding person. So like you tell me that I get to like go to the paddock and do something funny and like potentially someone like Gunther would officiate you like all for it. That I'm convinced great. that there's got to be some kind of like stick and special thing with this. So that's what I'm right. going to manifest and lean into at least for one of the ceremonies. <laughs> no, but I would only want to do it this year. Like, I feel like it gets old once other people do it. Like if I was doing it the first year, like then that's like, the but that's so Vegas's like, whole need- thing. People right. get married in Vegas all the time. I wouldn't get married in Vegas, but I would get married at an F1 race in Vegas is really what I'm saying. I just need to find a husband. <laughs> like, but if I had one, I would do it. I'm so like, it's just, it's so funny to me. Yeah. I'm curious of like where, can we just see like where that is in the paddock? Like how close is that to like, you know, the hospitality foods and like, you know, they're going to be like, ah, there's the wedding. <laughs> I love prop bets. They feel so Vegas. <laughs> Gambling capital this of the is, world. This is the most use this hat has, I think, ever gotten. <laughs> that feels sad to me. And like, we need to find more excuses for silly hats in the world. Uh, all right. We have eight fun prop bets that we wanted to do because Vegas, why not? Prop bet number one. Will the same driver win the Grand Prix and get pole? Where'd you land? I said no. Ooh. I know. I feel I, yes. I may have I may have gone spicy a little bit in this. Vegas has me feeling a little risky and gambly and on the edge and like what do I have to lose? <laughs> well, a good prop bet, in my opinion, means like it's even even amounts of people go either way. And like, there's no right. like real right or wrong answer. There's no obvious answer. Um, but I, so I went, yes, yeah, so I really just think Max is going to get it right this weekend. Is kind of what I'm leaning into. Yeah. I mean, All that's, right. that's, that's a good pick. So, but no. over under 0.5 crashes caused by the pit lane exit at any time in the weekend. So any on track session, I went with over. Did you go? I also went with over. That just feels like the. The, the obvious one here. The entire weekend for sure is the over. Sadly. I don't know, like, Poor, sorry, yeah. engineers. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah, it just feels like it's inevitable, but maybe because there's been so much discussion of the pit lane exit that like it's just that everyone's going to be so conscious of it, it's not going to happen. I think that's, that's why I set the line at 
Mm-hmm. All right. Over under 3.5 race day DNFs. I may be hopeful I'm going for under here. And I think I just have a bad taste in my mouth of our last discussion of in the, I think, was that last week of how many DNFs is yep. too many and five is too many. So I want less. <laughs> I went over. I think we're going to have at least four. Just with the, I all think the cool, that's fair. The temperature stuff. Like, I feel like there's some weirdness. There also might be rain. We didn't even talk about that. So I'm just felt like a safe over. All right. Specific DNF prop bet over under 0.5 engine related DNFs. I went over here. Um, you I know, did. covering bases here. I feel like it was fair with the again, weather. Power unit, full throttle straights, maybe. There's a recipe for power unit fails. And we'll go based on, like, what the team says is the official reason for the DNF here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, sometimes Aston Martin will retire a car and be, like, engine-related. And sometimes I don't believe them. But for the purpose of the prop bet, we will believe them. All right. Over under 1.5. Super Bowl mentions on the F1 TV race broadcast. So this just needs to be the actual race, not the pre-show or post-show times they talk about the Super Bowl. Over under, Nicole. I think it's a hot take. I'm going for the under. Oh, I am too. That means I need to align well. I think they're going to mention it once and that is all. Mm -hmm. It's risky. It all just depends if they are, they're going to be talking about it being in Vegas, but we'll, but yeah, I'm, we're going for the risk of the under here. All right. Even though I have a firm belief that like when you're betting over unders that like going under is like the boring choice. (laughs) Just, this is like a betting philosophy I have. Uh, uh, Okay. Pirelli has a habit of changing up their podium hat sometimes for special races, such as the uh, Pirelli helmets we got for the first year of the Miami GP. Will there be sparkles or glitter on the Pirelli podium hat for the Las Vegas GP? I went yes, because I'm leaning into fun, and I hope there's going to be sparkles or glitter. Where are you? And because I want there to be, I think they're not going to do it. So I said no. <laughs> I have all the sparkle hat right here. They're going to do a neon yellow hat or something. like. <laughs> Something that doesn't make quite a lot of sense. Yeah. We've, I love that we both are like, we want it to happen. And that, and my action was, I want it to happen. So I went yes. And you're like, I want it to happen. So I went no. Yeah. All right. Over under 0.5 Lewis Hamilton custom, custom made outfits. So not over. something he got off of. Yeah. I also went over. over. I just am manifesting at least one. At least two. There's going to be at least two. Oh, fingers crossed. And last but not least, will there be an Elvis impersonator during the pre or post race ceremonies in some way? Not in the crowd, but like F1 clearly tapped to involve them in something. I'm going with yes. I'm going with no. No. Again, I want it to happen. Elvis is giving the Pirelli poll award. Like, I'm convinced Elvis is going to be a new main character in this. There is a chapel in the paddock elvis is going to be there they've had all the drivers dresses elvis like a year ago if there's no elvis then what are we doing our full list of prop bets will be on our story saved in our highlights under las vegas so if you want to screenshot 
share your answers to these prop bets and tag us in it so we can see everyone's prop bets as well. New track, new race, actual insights that you may not know. For Vegas. Vegas. Ah, I love whenever you say for Vegas and put the hat on. It's Vegas, a- baby. I'm going to go watch all the f- episodes of Friends in Vegas after this. Uh, so three things you should know about this race going into it, besides the fact that the track looks like a pig. Thank Thing you. number one, the pit exit not only is narrow, but it's a blind corner. So in order to avoid accidents from this pit exit, it's going to be very, very crucial that race engineers are communicating with their drivers when other cars are coming around this blind corner. Yay. The panic on your face. I feel so good and confident about that happening for every single exit. And yeah, uh uh-huh. Thing number two, this track is going to be the second highest of all tracks of percent of the lap done at full throttle. Monza is estimated, depending on the year, that 80% of the lap is done at full throttle. And Mercedes, their engineers estimate that this one is going to be done 78% at full throttle. So essentially, uh, Monza is called the Temple of Speed. This is Temple of Speed 2.0. Lots of straights. Very fast. Yeah. It's frightening and exciting all at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, As a Mercedes fan, scary. As anyone else, probably not as awful and scary. And the last one is cold temperatures. So as Ross Braun admitted, they did not take into account the fact that it's probably going to be 40 degrees outside uh, Fahrenheit. You can do the math for Celsius. Uh, Now this will have two effects. One is engine cooling. So we have this interesting juxtaposition where nearly 80% of the track needs to be done at full throttle, which is hard on the engines, but it's gonna be very cool. So we might, this might help offset any kind of engine stress because it's going to be easier to cool the engines, theoretically. Um, And then there's the whole tires thing. So the way that everyone tires work is that essentially there's this thing you'll hear of as tire warm up. And all that is, is creating friction to physically warm the tires to very, very hot. And then that causes the rubber to melt and create grip on the asphalt. Now, when it's very, very cold, it is hard to create friction in your tires. It is hard to get your tires to warm up. Therefore, it is hard to do effective things like quali laps. Uh, Who will this hurt? Well, this will hurt teams that have really great tire degradation normally, and that's an advantage. Um, So Mercedes. Uh, This will help teams like Haas that eats their tires normally so badly. Uh, But the reality is everyone across the grid is going to be dealing with this. Um, A lot of people worry that it's going to feel like driving on ice. Um, I'm very curious to see if the percentage of the lap done at full throttle is actually gonna go down because of the colder temperatures and like inability to create this grip um, or if they're just gonna send it. And like who can master that line of sending it on the quote-unquote ice versus uh just taking what's there yes uh the i think there will be a good mix of drivers that choose to fully send it while some probably go probably the more moderate route it will be 
the the weather component of this is i think generating such an interesting conversation and it's just like a how didn't you know this i mean right it is 40 degrees outside for me right now where i reside it is 40 degrees that is very cold um so i live in southern california so i'm about uh like an hour plane ride from vegas up and basically go up and go down but i'm closer to the coast so it's warmer for me and it's currently 62 outside the low is 52 so yeah. like and if you go inland right now like yeah 40 it's this it's the desert that's what ha- i don't yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know what to say except it's the desert yeah i just don't know how you didn't know that um it again will you be interesting into it ross braun you lie <laughs> uh it, it definitely all of these aspects made our or at least my predictions feel like a little bit harder. I mean, besides that, there also isn't anything to go by. Um, lots of additional fun components to be really considering because it's almost like a lot of things on this track that would, you know, teams would gain an advantage from or then also counteracted due to the weather. So it's like, what are you going to hopefully trust? And are you you know, going to be trusting certain teams' power unit that's going to be okay because it's going to be cooler temperatures? Or are you going to be like, wow, these straights and full throttle and, like, people are just going to, like, power units are going to be like, not today, I need to lay down. Like, it's it's such an interesting could-go-either-way component. So that generates a really fun, exciting, unknown piece of it. So hopefully that generates an interesting race, I hope, maybe. Yeah, I also think the pit exit communication point like the ability for race engineers to communicate with their drivers on like what is going on on track to an extra degree than normal. Like I would say that I feel really good about Ferrari in this race overall, but then you're telling me that they need to like come up with a strategy with no past data and really communicate with their drivers on the radio. And I start to get nervous and like, yes, those are intangibles. They could end up doing great, but I just, there's a lot of unknowns. We have one known and it's that if Max Verstappen doesn't win this race, that he decided to crash. But outside of that unknown, like that known, everything else does feel uncertain in a way that's fun. Like, I think it's the part I'm the most excited about for this race is that no one's ever raced it before. So every driver's on an even playing field. Every team's on an even playing field in the sense that like, they're not coming in with any additional information than anyone else. And they all need to figure it out through the weekend. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. I feel so not good about my picks. Like even I'm looking at them right now and I and I and I and I'm mad at myself and I don't I don't I don't want I don't like this. And also because right now I'm taking an ice bath and it's cold and I don't wanna and I'm losing and I don't like losing and I don't like ice baths. Well, it's the final two races, so Nicole's last chance to catch up. To avoid going in the ice bath and putting me in the ice bath instead. I also feel awful about all of my predictions. Who knows? It's a new track. All I know is that there's a lot of straights. And if Mercedes does well, I decide I I will publicly declare I know absolutely nothing about this sport. (laughs) Because the one thing I feel like I know for certain is that the Mercedes should drop like lead through this entire race. And I don't like that car is so draggy. So, so spoiler alert, my P2 is not Lewis Hamilton this week, even though I've been putting that out there as a manifestation. And instead, it's Lando Norris. Uh, okay. 
I'm I'm being dumb. I'm being dumb because it's Vegas, and I really and I'm I hate I'm I ah uh, I do things you say you're never gonna do. You do things you say you're never gonna do. And I have Carlos signed as my P two, and I understand. I understand that this is a PU nightmare. There's so many ways that this could go unbelievably wrong. Carlos is my P two. I think it has been under talked about this year how Ferrari has gotten their engine explosion woes under control. And whether that's because they've haven't had to push it so much, like it definitely felt like at the beginning of 2022, they were overperforming and they like were really over pushing their PUs because they had to, to compete with the Red Bull that was very clearly dominant all last season and all this season, or if they've actually been able to fix the engine a little bit. So I don't know. Yeah, under-recognized. I, just, I think there, it, it, it's not the most impossible thing I've ever said. Those are also some famous last words. And if I am, I mean, based on our last week's conversation about Charles, if I'm going to pick a Ferrari, I'm not going to pick Charles. So. Oh, poor child. All right. Who's your P3, though? My P3 is Lando Norris. My P3 is Sergio Perez. I know it's been a while since I put him on a podium. I think the Red Bull is going to be so dominant this weekend that it's going to be hard for him to mess it up. Mixed with, I think there's something about Perez at the end of the season, just in general, where he just like loosens up. Like something about the hidden in the beginning and end of the season, like the middle of the season, he gets like very in his head. There's a slog to it. But I think, I think there's some life left in him. That, that's my really great analysis that I'm giving you. But yet I still have him not finishing anywhere close to Max. That I will tell you. But I think he's going to finish on the podium. Incredible. Um, and now we have our P10, which I feel really stuck stuck on. Like this, I feel like I, I unbelievably struggled with the most. And part of me can't believe the words that I'm about to say. I have Logan Sargent as my P10. I considered it. So I'm I'm with you. I do think that there's a possibility that the Williams does really well this weekend. And if, you know, it's like my whole philosophy is if you have Alex Albon up pretty high, there's a chance for Logan to sneak into the points. I didn't want Alex at, I felt better about, I felt better about Alex than P10. So I was like, well, if I feel pretty good about Williams right now, I'm going to do it. And I just... Who is your P10 before I say anything else? George Russell. Just to ah. give you an idea of how badly I think the Mercedes will do this weekend, I think I put a Mercedes sneaking into the points. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That um, that feels really hurt, you know, painful as a Mercedes fan. But yeah, I could see that. I think, you know, good expectations to be going, going yeah. into. Um. And now we have our last to finish. And uh, even though, so at the same breath of where I have, um, you know, some Ferrari energy on a podium, I also have in a definition Ferrari energy in the back. I have Valtteri Bottas as my I last do too. to finish. <laughs> it was like the logic of covering my bets of like Ferrari, you know, we're going to, and yeah, just could be both ways. Um Monza wasn't his worst, but like, I don't know. I did a lot of looking at Monza to try to like get a feel for how I felt like this race was going to go. 
Um, but that race was so long ago now that it is hard to like compare it one to one. And, and the temperature difference is like just, yes. uh, what do you do? I really, what, why I landed, I was deciding between Alfa Romeo and Haas because to me, those two teams are the two teams that struggle to get up to speed as fast as everyone else. So new track, new learning. It just felt like it was one of those two teams. And I went with Haas last week. So I decided to go with the other one, but I can't believe we both did VB. Yeah. Uh, but what is your team that is not named Red Bull that you think will score the most points this week? I feel like we may have the same here. I have McLaren. Yeah, I do too. It just feels like the safe bet right now. Um, I'm interested to see how Oscar Piastri does this week um, because both it's him and Lando on this track together for the first time. And normally the more equal that is, the closer Oscar is. And I'm also just intrigued to see how much tire deg plays into this with the cold temperatures. It could go two extremes. It could be like the cold temperatures are shredding the tires, so you really need to take care of the tires. Or tire degradation could not matter at all because they're not overheating in any way. Um, and if you're Oscar Piastri, you are hoping for the second option. So he could be. And if so, then I feel very confident in McLaren being the team that is the closest to Red Bull this weekend. Yeah, I think it's, I'm most excited to see how Oscar performs as well. Obviously, I have a little bit more faith in Lando scoring the points here just based on the experience and right. things, but not that I, I, I think Oscar won't be too far behind. Yellow sector notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock, hitting every F1 garage. It is only Wednesday evening, and Vegas has been overwhelming me with news. There's so much to keep up with. So hang in there. There's a lot to get through, and I am sure I'm going to miss something. But let's start with liveries and helmets. As of now, Ferrari is running a 1940s-inspired livery. Red Bull's fan design livery has been revealed with some really cool wheel covers. McLaren teams up with their sponsor, Jack Daniels, for a mostly black livery for this weekend. Alpine has a slight pattern on their car. Alfa Romeo has teased a new livery, but at this point in the weekend, we haven't seen it yet, and we have to get the episode to you. Uh, same with AlphaTauri. Williams' livery looks like Vegas threw up on it. <laughs> Or more, I would actually say Williams livery looks like a Vegas brochure threw up on it. <laughs> no news as of now for Mercedes Hoster Aston Martin, and I'm assuming they're just running their normal liveries this weekend. And when seven of the ten cars on the grid are doing that to the three cars that are not, I am looking at you. Why no fun? Okay, moving on. <laughs> now on to special helmets that we know about at this point. I really feel like in the next 12 hours, we're going to get a ton more. But Lando continues his trend of always having like the sickest and most unique designs. He's decided to, instead of going casino, to lean into the desert environment by putting snakes on the helmet. And it really is cool, even though the snakes freak me out. George revealed an all sparkle version of his helmet, similar to what he did in Singapore last year. Oscar is doing a dark mode chrome helmet, and that's not chrome as in the uh, material, chrome as in Google Chrome, because this is basically the pair for the Google sponsorship that Lando did at the British GP earlier. Max has a Vegas-inspired lid that did go very casino, but the biggest helmet reveal that we've had so far. Esty Bestie, he exchanged his Spider-Man-inspired helmet that he's been racing with all year for a Deadpool helmet this weekend, complete with a video of him showing Deadpool himself the lid, and now he's Daddy Esteban. Cue Nicole screaming. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, so if you're new to Gridwalk, I I love everything Marvel related. I love Spider-Man. I love SD Bestie leaning into Marvelness. I love Deadpool. This is like a, a thing I've been waiting for since the whole Ryan Reynolds announcement of the investing and the thing and the <gasps> and he did it. And he did it and we've requested a Deadpool helmet and it's so good. It's like legitimately comic Deadpool sketch and the video with Ryan Reynolds of him being like, look what I did and then the fast lap and all of the things. And and then Ryan Reynolds gives Etsy Bessie a friendship bracelet that says daddy. And it's it's everything I wanted the whole exchange to be and more. And I can't wait for Etsy Bestie to be at a Deadpool premiere because this is, this it's, it's inevitable. Oh my God, I just need him in like a Deadpool outfit now. There needs to be more. I can't wait to see the content that comes this weekend. My favorite thing about watching SC Bestie with most celebrities is that with some of them you can tell he's like just a fan and I love that humanness and like knowing that he's like a big comic book guy that like you could feel that he was like oh my gosh right on Ryan Reynolds I get to do this thing with Ryan Reynolds look at, and look at, look at my helmet Deadpool look it's you it's this is it's you <laughs> and I like that. Ryan Reynolds is just always Ryan Reynolds in the best way possible I can't wait to see him yep. do more things with Alpine all right we finally have some movement on the Andretti story. GM has decided to upgrade their title sponsorship under their Cadillac brand to a potential engine deal by registering with the FIA for 2028. We're going to be discussing this completely on our Vegas GP recap episode on Monday because honestly, we want to wait to see if more news comes out this weekend and hear reactions from all the people around the paddock that this may be happening. Also, because this weekend isn't jam-packed with enough news, AMUS has been able to reveal the first renderings of the potential 2026 regulations. So overall, I would describe the renderings as a smaller version of the current cars with a little bit of the previous generation, like being put back in there. Um, and it's small, awesome, would love small. Smaller cars would be great. Um, and we'll also talk about this more on Monday's episode because again, there's this episode's been long enough and I would like to be able to freak out for at least 15 minutes about these new potential regulations for 2026. And despite all that, I haven't even gotten to the normal Gridwalk content where we give you news all up and down the paddock. So let's get back to the normal Yellow Sector notes. Red Bull sent a show car to the Gaslamp District in San Diego this week to promote the Vegas GP. Yes, I did almost drive down to San Diego to see it. I resisted and decided to be a responsible adult and do my job. Fernando Alonso posed with flowers on a magazine cover as GQ Spain's Man of the Year. Mercedes dropped the 2023 versions of their ugly Christmas sweaters for this year, both a winter and a Christmas version. Pierre is talking to the press again about his Red Bull demotion. It seems like he's looking to both clear his name and the air with Red Bull, um, but he has given multiple quotes recently. Red Bull's Engineering Academy applications for summer 2024 are open. If you are an engineer or recently graduated, uh, you should definitely apply. It's like an opportunity to work in the F1 space. Uh, their applications close on November 27th. A uh, couple sponsorship news. Alpine and EcoWalk seem to have parted ways. They did sign a sponsorship deal at the beginning of the year, but their logo hasn't been seen on the car since the Italian GP. AlphaTauri has a new alcohol sponsor, vodka in particular. It's Neft. And Udemy has joined McLaren as a sponsor in a multi-year contract. No, I'm not done. There's still more I have here. <laughs> 
Mercedes and IWC had an event Tuesday night to launch both new watches and the new Mercedes AMG car. Also, if you haven't seen it yet, an ad was released for the new AMG car that includes George, Lewis, Toto, and Susie. It's really cool. They put a car in the air. It makes me love marketing again. It's like one of those ads where I'm like, oh, I love what I do for my job. It's like people who do what I do get to do things like this. Also, in Lewis Hamilton news, you can now play as Lewis Hamilton and Roscoe Hamilton in Fortnite. His character has a normal character, but then also a suited up version of his character that looks like a purple and yellow black panther, which I am sure is intentional. Knowing Lewis Hamilton it is awesome. He is part of their icons line in the game, which is very fitting. You can also play in a Lewis Hamilton inspired car in Rocket League as of this week. The car is similarly Lewis's purple and yellow color scheme. All right, don't get me started on what Vegas is planning to do with the spear because I could talk about it forever. And what we've already seen is so cool and it's only Wednesday evening. But my favorite part that I have to point out is that they've announced there's going to be a recovery brunch Sunday morning where they're gonna put the, the race on replay and serve brunch. Just a genius idea. Lewis Hamilton's Plus 44 has a pop-up shop in Vegas all weekend as well as in Long Beach, California. Um, also, his brand Almave has a bar event, uh, I believe, Wednesday night. So if you're hearing this, it's already happened, but it's cool and I'm sad I'm not in Vegas. All of this is just making me sad that we didn't go to Vegas. There's also but, uh, the really trippy flower from this line is like has a giant statue in like one of the hotels. It's just, uh, it all looks so cool. All right, and lastly, Logan and Alex visited the Las Vegas Golden Knights this week. And they got some sparkly gold Golden Knights jerseys. But so far, there hasn't been any content of them actually on the ice, which is disappointing. I would like to see them skate around and try to score some goals. That is the gridwalk for November 16th, 2023 completed. How's my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than all of the news is dropping this week, which is the fastest I've ever seen news drop ever. I think it's physically impossible for me to be faster than that. Yeah, like really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to VoiceOver Man. Thank you to every Elvis impersonator currently in the paddock. Literally, I feel like Elvis impersonators this week are like mall Santas during Christmas. They are just having so much business. Um, and thank you to our four-legged executive producers. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like this video, leave us a comment. What has been your favorite thing so far from the Vegas GP? Because like it hasn't even happened. We're halfway through the week and we feel so overwhelmed. And so many things are our favorite. So let us know. <laughs> What your favorite thing is <laughs> if you are an audio listener don't forget to follow turn on auto downloads rate and view the pod click that little follow button click that little auto download button and it just automatically gives us dopamine it's like really cool it's a magic thing that happens all of these things really help other people find our podcast and we really really appreciate it Join us for daily grid walks on all social media platforms. Follow us at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. We'll be back to walk the Formula One grid on Monday and then Thursday for a bonus episode. And then like back to Thursday. This is crazy. But wow, today really felt like a grid jackpot and not a grid walk. 